that is uh, facing a time of spiritual declension and spiritual decline. Would you agree with that? A time of spiritual declension and decline in the United Kingdom. Christians in this country are still reeling from a couple of recent things that have happened. Still reeling from the resignation of Tim Farron as leader of the Liberal Democrats who says that he is unable to function in politics in the United Kingdom in the 21st century with Christian views. So some Christians are reeling from this. Other Christians are reeling from the sort of outcry that greeted some of the, what we might call, biblically conservative views of the DUP. So we look around, we look at the culture today, we look at the society around us, and what do we see? We see spiritual declension, we see pressure on the church, spiritual decline. Now, that kind of raises, I think, an interesting question. Is that sort of trend irreversible? You see what I'm getting at? If a country begins along a path where it is ignoring God, ignoring the gospel, can that sort of train, that, 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 that momentum, can that ever be stopped or halted? If a country begins like that, can it, can it, can that be reversed even? Or is such ungodly momentum unstoppable? Well, this evening we're going to consider this very famous portion of Scripture. You know this portion of Scripture, I'm sure, where God calls Samuel to prophetic office. Take a wider lens to it, though, for a second. What happens in, through the course of this portion of Scripture? Do you see what happens? The people of Israel go, at the start, from being truly ungodly, like that's what we learn in the book of Judges. At this point, they were living all for themselves. It says at the beginning, did you notice what it says? It says the word of God was rare. They go from that situation, from being really ungodly. And what's the situation by the end of the chapter? I'm going to use the word. Revival. Isn't that what happens? By the end of the chapter, you've got Samuel. He's ministering the word to the people. And what are the people doing? They're actually listening to what God has to say, they're enjoying this time of sort of renewed fellowship with God. Revival here, exciting, national revival going on. So tonight, what I want us to do is consider how that happens. We need that in the United Kingdom. How does this happen? Most especially tonight, I want us to notice that everything good hinges on the people's approach and attitude to the word of Almighty God. So the first thing we've got to notice here is the hearing of God's word. The hearing of God's word. There'll be three headings. That's the first, the hearing of God's word. Now, isn't it true that stories or films... When they centre around something happening to a child... These stories are films, they always have a bit more of a sort of evocative and emotional edge, uh, do they not? Uh, I'll tell you what I mean. If I'm sitting on the couch with my wife and uh, we are watching a film and in the film something happens to a child, let's say the child is kidnapped or the child dies. I know what's happening beside me, I don't need to look, I know what's happening. My wife is kind of welling up and then she's maybe weeping a, a little bit something with her child's always a little bit there's an emotional edge to it now isn't that kind of the case 
in what we've seen in the book of Samuel so far. If you've been here for the series, I'm not being soppy, but it's kind of emotional, isn't it? Because our hearts have kind of gone out to Hannah, haven't they, in chapter 1? This woman who's been so desperate to have a child that she's not been able to have a child. And then we rejoiced with her because she's able to have Samuel. And then we have held our breath. Because what happened then? She had to give the child over, didn't she? She had to give it over to, to, to temple service, didn't she? So it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster thus far. Now, important for you and I to notice that time has not moved on a lot since then. So Samuel is still a lad. Samuel is still a young boy. And I want to say, isn't the situation that he is in in chapter 3, isn't it symbolic? Do you notice? Have a look at verse 2 with me. Look at verse 2. So you've, I'll show you what I mean about it being symbolic. You've got Eli. Now who's Eli? Eli is the spiritual guide for all of Israel. And what are you told about Eli? The spiritual guide is going blind. And what else have you got? The lamp of the Lord is going out. Doesn't it kind of all of it kind of seem to speak to the fading spiritual situation in Israel, doesn't it? But is all hope lost? Well, no. Do you see where Samuel is? Where's Samuel? Do you notice that he is nearer to the Lord than Eli? So Samuel is emphasized. He's sleeping right next to the ark of God. He's near God. And it's then that the drama begins because it's at that point that God begins to call Samuel. Now, see, all of this is portion of scripture in my preparation. It all felt very, very real to me uh, because we're going through a bit of a problem at home just now. Our youngest daughter, who has slept soundly since the day she was born at night, she all of a sudden at the age of four, four, uh, yes, She's all of a sudden started to wake up in the middle of the night from nowhere. Now, if you are a mum or a dad, you know you can remember what that's like because you're in a beautiful sleep, you know, and you're having just this most uh, vivid and lovely dream, and all of a sudden, what do you get, mum? Dad, and you've got to go through and see what's happening now because we've done this with our other children. Honestly, you should see it. Catherine and I, we move in slow motion when that happens. You know, the cover goes off so slowly and we will just trudge through. See, invariably there's nothing wrong. Now, you see here, it's the complete opposite with Samuel. Do you understand that? That he hears this voice in the middle of the night and he is up like a shot. He's, he's, he's ready and he's eager and he's keen. What's the problem though? What is spelled out for you? He does not know the Lord. Now, do you understand what that means? He has not heard truly the word of God. He's not impacted his heart. He's not experienced God. So when he hears the voice, what does he do? What does he think? He thinks, this, this must be Eli. And he's back and forth. Now, let me stop there. Let me ask you this. Who recognizes that that voice belongs to God. Who recognizes it? 
No Samuel. Eli. Now isn't that fascinating? If you've read First Samuel, Eli is used here. Now think about that for a moment. What could have happened? This is God we're dealing with. What could God have done? He could easily, couldn't he have just woken up Samuel and revealed himself in a second to Samuel? He doesn't do it. Like Almighty God uses Eli. Now just see why that's unusual and strange. What do you know about Eli? You know he's old. You know he's frail. You know that he is a spiritual failure. Don't you remember from last time what an utter disgraceful mess he's made of it with his sons. And yet God still uses him here. Friends, do you see a message for the people of God in that? I mean, how are you thinking of your life just now? Can I be blunt with you? (laughs) How will I word this? Are you feeling your age? Is it the case that you are tired? Do you look back on the last few years of your Christian experience and you think, I am a, I am a Christian failure, a spiritual failure, and I am fatigued. And are you thinking tonight that Christian service is just a young person's game? Are you thinking that? Friend, I've got news for you. See, if you look at your Bibles throughout Scripture, time and again, do you know what God does? He waits until people are really old before he uses earthly. He really does time and time again. You've got Abraham. Abraham was ancient before God used him. What about Moses? Do you know that Moses was well into his 80s before God used him powerfully? And it's the same thing here with Eli. Do you see what I'm saying? Friend, God... Everyone in here, listen, God can use you regardless of your age. He can use you if you're willing, even if it's just to do what he does with Eli, to have you point the next generation of Christian leaders, point them to the word of God. You see it? God uses, he uses Eli. He uses Eli. Okay, what, what happens next? Well, I wonder if you would... Do this for me just now, okay? Would you try and accompany Samuel back into the room? Now, do you see the stage that we're at here? Do you understand the predicament? Samuel has just learnt what? That voice I was hearing. That was God. Imagine this God that I've been serving that I have not heard before. That is That voice is God. Now, do you see what happens? Accompany him, walk with him. He now goes back into what was a large room. And what do we know? We know it's dark because we know the lamp of the Lord is flickering. And he looks down and he sees his bed, eyes down on his bed. Now, I am asking you, what do you think Samuel would have been like at that point? Don't you think he would have been on tender hooks? This is God. Like you can imagine the head is up. Isn't it? And he is straining to hear and he is waiting for God to speak. And when God does speak, do you see what Samuel's like? He's like, oh yes, Lord, speak. I, I know it's you. What is it you have to say to me? Now you see that picture that we've got before us there. Isn't that a picture of what we need? Isn't it? Friend, again, let me ask you, where are you in your Christian, your spiritual experience tonight? 
Are you this evening desperate for guidance from God? Are you wondering if God is calling you and calling you to a specific area of service? Is it wider than that? Are you just desperate that there might be some spiritual revival in your community or your your church or your, your city? Don't you see in that picture in Samuel what we need to be like? There needs to be renewed expectancy with God's word. You see that posture of anticipation, Samuel there, straining to hear. That's what we need to be like. We need to come to scripture tomorrow morning, throughout the week. We need to come to next Sunday morning. We need to come ready. Just like Samuel was there, just eager, saying, speak, Lord, speak to me. And what happens if we come like that? We will hear the voice of Almighty God. Friends, in for Samuel, you see a nation transformed. How does it happen? It happens because this man was ready. He wasn't apathetic. He was ready. He was expectant to hear the word of God. So hearing, the hearing of God's word. Second thing, the heralding of God's word. So the hearing of God's word, the heralding of God's word. I'm sure all of us, I don't know some of you, but I'm sure this is true of all of us, that at one time or other, we are familiar with that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach when you hear bad news. It's a weird thing when it happens. You're familiar with it, I'm sure. It's almost like the world stops. Almost like, you know, everything freezes. The one thing that doesn't stop is your heart. And it beats at hundreds an hour. That horrendous feeling when you hear bad news. Don't you think it would have been like that for poor Samuel? Because we're thinking, oh, this is a wonderful thing. He gets to hear from God. What is the message he hears? Man, did you see it? It is a message of judgment and wrath from God. So what he hears, this message that God tells him, is a confirmation of what we saw last time round. It's a confirmation that his master, Eli, his family, is going to be white out. That's the message he hears. And you can remember why that judgment's been declared. What had Eli done? He and his sons had dishonored God, hadn't they? They had stolen from God. They had ignored God. And I want you, friends, to look at verse 14. This is why we read numbers earlier on. Look at verse 14. So serious was their sin that it fell into the category of what the Bible calls high-handed sins. Do you know what they were? Get this. They were sins that could not be covered by the sacrificial system. Now get your head around the severity of Eli and his son's sin. That was sin that could not be atoned for, could not be forgiven in the sacrificial system. Is this not the most awful message that Samuel has, has to bring? Now, what is the most obvious thing to say about this? But it's still a stunning thing. Now, sin... 
God entrusts that message of judgment to a child. Isn't that what we're dealing with here? God entrusts this message of, of wrath, of judgment of sin, and at this point he gives it to Samuel to proclaim. He gives that sort of a message to a child. Now, you, you might say to me, but we don't know uh, how old Samuel was at this point, and, and you're right, but get this, rabbinic tradition says that at this point Samuel was 12. And one thing is for sure, Samuel was not much older than 12 because the original language speaks of him as a young lad or as a, a boy. That sort of message, God Almighty in his wisdom entrusts to a boy. And I think surely there is a message here for the families, for the parents of London City Presbyterian Church. I think there's a problem. I think in the modern church, we underestimate the spiritual capabilities of the covenant children. Would you agree? We underestimate their spiritual capabilities. Because we don't do this. We think about what God does here. He entrusts this important message to a child. Friends, are you encouraging the children of this church in their witness? In their evangelism? The children? What else does God do here? I mean, God here teaches this child about himself. About his justice. About his intolerance of sin. Do we do that? You see the problem? What do we do? Family worship. If at all, we maybe have a little Bible story and a little prayer. Is that how we should be? Should we not raise the bar? Should we not teach the children of the grandeur of God? The holiness of God. Teach our children of His love and His splendor. You see? There is a challenge here. We've raised the bar. We've got to encourage our our kids. We've got to teach our children. But then, we have to consider what Samuel does with this message. Because you could come back at me just now. You could argue with what I've just said. Because you could say that Samuel here is hesitant with this message from God. I mean, how does it unfold? Next morning... Samuel waits till the morning. I don't blame him. (laughs) But the next morning you can see Eli chomping at the bit. He knows that God has just spoken in the next room to Samuel. So Eli wants to know, what did did he say? Come on, what was the message? And what happens with Samuel? He's hesitant, isn't he? Like he's, he's reluctant here. He could argue that. I think the key verse to the whole chapter is verse 18. Verse 18, would you look at it with me? I think they're beautiful words. Look what we see. Samuel eventually told Eli everything. Look at the next phrase. He hid nothing from him. It's not wonderful, like consider it, like despite the fact this is, this is an awful message, it's a difficult message, it's a message that could be met with rejection, anger, abuse, the whole world, despite that, you've got this little boy, he lays it all on the line, he tell, I would, tells him everything that God has said. And again we come back to this, friends, we're talking about revival tonight, are we? 
Isn't that there what the United Kingdom needs? Doesn't it need people who are willing to do what Samuel does and courageously, fearlessly to declare the word of God? Now, who do you think of when I say that? When I say the UK needs people to declare fearlessly God's word, who do you think of? You think of ministers, and you think of pastors, don't you? And man, you would be absolutely right if the United Kingdom needs anything. It needs men who are willing to stand up and declare the full counsel of God regardless of the cost. But you do not get off that easily this evening. Because what is the case for us in the New Testament church? It's not just prophets now. It's all y'all who are equipped by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not just occasional individuals. We are, every single one of us, ambassadors for Christ with a message from God to proclaim. What does Britain need? Do you know what it needs? It needs you. It needs us to go out there tomorrow and to speak and tell other people of the kingdom of God, regardless of how difficult it is, regardless of the rejection that we might face, we've got to do, as this young lad Samuel does, we've got to tell people of the greatness of God. So the hearing of God's word, the heralding of God's word, we end, short of point, with the heart of God's word. The heart of God's word. Now, if we are going to understand 1 Samuel 3, friends, we cannot think of this as an isolated incident. Is that how you you read it um, when Johnny got up the front? Were you thinking, okay, is, this is how it works. God calls Samuel to give a message to Eli. Once it's done, job done. Samuel can get back to watching the TV and whatever he was doing, you, you thinking of it like that, it is not like that. Friends, listen. This here before you is less an isolated incident than it is the beginning of an entirely new era, a new age for the people of God. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? God is not calling Samuel to deliver a prophetic word. He's calling Samuel to begin this lifelong service of being a prophet. Lifelong prophetic office. In fact, do you know what? Not since all the way back to Moses had the people had what they have here, a national prophet. I mean, this is a seismic moment for the people of God. They know that so long as Samuel is alive, from this point on, God's word was with them in the community, in the nation. God so confirming Samuel that what we told that from north to south, all Israel knows. Do you see the message there? This revival that we're studying here, this renewal to a nation, it all revolves around one man. 
This revival revolves around, it is tied to intrinsically one godly man. And I think again that is a message for us, a message for the United Kingdom, because I think we are making a mistake in the church. Isn't this true? When we think of revival, we equate it with morality and ethics. Isn't that what happens in the church? What do we think of when you think of revival? What do you hear said? Isn't it the case that you hear, okay, we need a return to biblical principles? Isn't that what the church talks about? Isn't that what we moan about? Oh, there needs to be a change. In the United Kingdom, we're slipping. We need to recover biblical values and Christian ideas and principles. And that's wonderful and it's great. But that's not fundamentally what the United Kingdom needs. What do we need? We need the people of this country to focus on one individual, one godly individual. And who is that? What does Hebrews say? Hebrews says, long ago, many times, many ways, spoke to people through the prophets. First Samuel 3. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. How? By his son. What is the need of the United Kingdom? What is the greatest need? We need people. We need flocks of people, multitudes of people to fall on bended knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that it? And why? Because he is the one that can bring change. He is the great prophet, the one that Samuel foreshadows, the one promised in Deuteronomy. He is prophet, priest, and king. And, come on, let's go back to numbers. What has Jesus done? He has provided for us full forgiveness. Isn't that it? That at the cross of Calvary, what do we see but a greater work of atonement than the sacrificial system? The people, we don't have to worry that some of our sin now is maybe not covered, maybe not forgiven. What is the good news? All of it, like all of your wickedness, all of your iniquity, every thought you've had, every impurity, all of it, gone. All of it is cleansed away. All of it is taken as far as east is from the west. By the blood, the spilt blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that is good news. And I think that is the message that Britain needs to hear. So what do we do? We go from here and we seek this week to hear the word of God. Expectancy. When you come to scripture tomorrow, we herald, we speak the word of God. But ultimately this week, we worship the incarnate word of God. Don't we? We worship the Lord Christ for what he's done in Calvary Hill. And every one of us who is a Christian here this week, should we not pray for revival? Let's pray.